Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you ought to, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom... Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Everybody, how you doing? Yeah, well, you know, the streak had to end at some time. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. That's a, uh, it's a rough one. It's a rough one to lose. I know, again, the streak had to end at some time. It was nine straight with points. Uh, they've been winning a ton. Maybe getting a little lucky here and there, getting some really good goaltending. I thought Samuel Harrison was pretty good again tonight. But they fall to the Nashville Predators 3-2 to two in regulation. It is their first regulation loss since November 28th, uh, which was also at home against the Carolina Hurricanes. I wish we were doing a victory woo tonight, uh, but it was not to be. We're going to talk to Charlie O'Connor uh, in a little bit. He's down at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, he's at the uh, you know John Tortorella's press conference, all the media availability, so we'll get... His take on everyone's comments in just a bit. But until then, it's just me here at the PHLY Studios. Got my boy, J.P. Zapata. I always want to say behind the glass, but there's actually no glass <laughs> just between, like imaginary between glass. the producer's booth <laughs> and us. So uh, he's, he's on the ones and twos tonight. Uh, but I was... On one hand, it's like, yes, they have to lose. And I've as I've said all season, it's so much about, all right... Let's see how they answer now. Let's see how they respond to some adversity. You know, if they come out tomorrow in Detroit, second game of a back-to-back, on the road, last game before the holidays, and they kick some ass, they look good, all right, tonight was just a bump in the road. If it's it's the beginning of maybe this team turning closer into what we thought they were going to be at the start of the year, that's not a great sign simply because they've banked so many points and then it's man I don't want to give uh I don't want to give the see they should have been losing all along crowd any ammunition I of course will become part of that crowd if that's what is to happen uh but right now I'm just kind of t- taking this one in stride I've said all along I am very much looking forward to uh whether it's this year whether it's 3 years from now when Mishkov gets here whatever it is I'm very much looking forward to a time where we treat Flyers games the way we do Eagles games. You know, that's always that's always the thing when uh, when the Phillies are good and it's like a random Tuesday in July. And when I was uh, on one of the sports radio stations in town and the board is lit up with in the seventh inning, the manager like freaking out over some random game like that is what I'm very much looking forward to so I'm here for all the overreactions to what is their first regulation loss in over a month uh but I am going to try to take this one in stride and just go okay it's a game but obviously looking ahead 
it's the tough part of the schedule now. We always know. Uh, you know, they go to Detroit tomorrow. Then I think they have five straight days off for the holiday. And then it's the Disney on ice trip. They go to uh, Canada. They go Western Canada. They're in Seattle. So it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. And it's looking to see how they respond now. Um, one thing I will say is, while again just one game, I really wanted this for the home crowd. It's you know the uh, their annual holiday spectacular as they were calling it. Last home game until uh, what is it January fourth. Uh, they'll kick off a four-game homestand January 4th, I believe, against the Blue Jackets, but they're not going to be home for a while. And while this show has, I think, started to help fuel uh, some of the positivity, I think we've all been really enjoying this point streak and what we've seen out of the team for the most part so far this season. If we want to, if the team wants... You know, all the quotes we heard uh, the last couple of weeks, like, oh, from Carter Hart, oh, I don't, I feel like nobody even wants us to win. I do. I, if they're going to be a team that can make the playoffs, I think playoff experience for this roster could not possibly hurt them. Uh, but that said, if they end up missing by a couple of points and end up drafting, you know, <laughs> at the end of the lottery rather than at the top of the lottery, the non-playoff teams... It's like, well, it was all for naught, I guess. But if we want to extend some of the positivity that we're feeling to the casuals, to the rest of the city, uh, it starts with winning at home. It starts with giving people a reason to want to go down to the Wells Fargo Center to spend money to uh, pay to see this team. And they have been better at home lately. Uh, coming into the night, Coming into tonight, they'd won their last three home games, but they were 5-6-1 and one at home before that, so just kind of mediocre, uh, you know, a little below Hockey 500. Uh, now they're going away for the holidays. I really just wanted them to, like, reward the home crowd for showing up, and I saw Sam Carcitti tweet tonight. It was a pretty loud crowd, pretty full building. So I, I kind of just wanted it for them, and now it's, all right, let's see what they really are. Um... I'm looking forward to just putting this one behind us and moving on to tomorrow. I will say I, I thought they played a really, really strong first period, and in the first and second, they outshot the Preds 13-9. Uh, right before we got started, I heard uh, on the postgame, the NBC postgame, it was uh, Al and Hartsey talking about how this game was kind of disjointed because of the power plays. There's a five-minute major in there. It gets negated, and then there's some four-on-four. Four, there's weird power play for Nashville. So it was just kind of a, a bumpy game, uh, just not a, not a lot of flow to this game, and I think that's a lot of how it was played. Like There's five goals. They're basically scored in a bunch right there. Uh, like At least three of them were basically all scored back-to-back. Back. But I really wanted it for this team, and I'm hoping – people uh, people really start to catch on and want to go down to the Wells Fargo Center. Again, this is their first regulation loss in over a month. Of course, that one was at home as well. You know, but their overall play, I don't think, has matched what we've seen from them at home. Like, they've just been a better road team, whether that's, you know, when, when the Eagles under Andy Reid were so good, it was like, oh, well, it's the coaching. And it makes sense that a John Tortorella team is good on the road, but you want to see that in front of the home crowd. And if you want to see the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers at home, man, I got to tell you, there is just no better way than to do it than by getting your tickets with Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And they will be back home after the holidays. 
a uh, pretty cool part of the schedule after they get through the Disney on Ice road trip. They're home on uh, Thursday, January 4th against Columbus. Always a good South Jersey Hollydale contingent comes out to see Johnny Goudreau. Maybe you want to see Johnny. You can see him uh, there. Get your tickets with game time. But then they're home that Saturday against Calgary. They have Pittsburgh on Monday the 8th. Who doesn't love seeing the Flyers in Pittsburgh? And the way Pittsburgh is playing, probably going to see one of them Ws. So uh, go check it out. And then they close it out with Montreal on the 10th. Montreal has been playing better lately, but... Flyers are better in the Habs. So I think nice little home stand there. Uh, get your tickets for it at game time. Uh, I want to talk about Samuel Erson. Uh, Erson. By the end of this year, I will probably be able to say his name correctly 90% of the time, I would say, is my goal, JP. Obviously, the goal should be 100. Anyone who's listened to this show for any length of time knows I will never pronounce everyone's name correctly 100% of the time. Don't beat yourself up, man. Those I know your name, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I honestly, because your Twitter handle is Parcer. I always want to say JP Parcer. I'm like, that's like not that. right. That is not his <laughs> name. Awesome. It's, it's JP Zapata. Uh, but yeah, Samuel Erson, uh, uh, this is his 11th straight start, um, allowing three or fewer, which is nice. Unfortunately... He needed to allow two for, to give them a chance tonight at least to uh, extend the point streak. But I wouldn't really put this one on him. Uh, the Predators kind of swarm tonight. You know, the Flyers give up a, a shorthanded goal, which you never want to see. The power play being abysmal is one thing. Them never scoring. They were over their last 17 coming into tonight. Coots does score a power play goal, so that's... It's something, <laughs> but if uh, if it's going to be negated by a shorthanded goal, then even though you got one, it's like, well, the power play was actually even. <laughs> you know, you gave up one, you scored one. That's not what you want to see. But uh, Erson, after his uh, abysmal start, you know, those first two starts and his third appearance, he was 0-2-1 with a 763 save percentage. Uh, coming into the night then, he'd gone 8-1-1 one, one with a 929 in his last 10 starts like a couple of one nothing shutouts in there like I said hadn't allowed three or more goals since his second start of the season uh, he gave up 14 goals in his first 171 minutes of the season after that allowed 19 over the next uh 616 minutes and 39 seconds like he has been excellent I thought even though, what was his uh, final line tonight? I want to see because I thought he played really well. The stats might not back it up entirely. Yeah, stop 27 of 30 for an even 900 save percentage. It's a, you know, it's a fine game uh, for your goaltender, but I thought he made some big saves, especially in the third. Uh, Nashville was the better team tonight. That's, that's really what it comes down to is the Flyers uh, were beaten by a team that played better than them. And the streak was always going to end, but why couldn't it just end tomorrow in Detroit? You know, it's like, well, I just really would have liked to see, uh, really would have liked to see them end the homestand on a high note before they go away for the holidays. But it was not to be, right. uh, and that's a bummer. But I did think Samuel Erson, uh, Erson, God damn it. Bill, real quick, because so HC's got us right here. So it, think of it like this, air. Air. And then send like in senators. It's, Airson. It's it's like person but air. It's airson. <laughs> like I get it. I, I I know what it's supposed to be. I'm just like thinking about how it's written and uh, no excuses. I'm a professional talker, but when you're talking to yourself for 30 to 60 minutes at a time, you're not always going to think about every word you say. Uh, right. but I get it. I know I need to say it right. It's airson. I just need to nail it down. I thought he was better than his numbers tonight. 900 is fine, but obviously you want to see 910, 915 or better. Uh, but he made some big saves on uh, a lot of really good chances. Uh, Phil Forsberg, someone I want to talk to Charlie about. Um, he's always been good. We've been making fun of that Martin Erat trade for years now. Uh, and how ridiculous it seems that it, they flipped him, uh, that Washington flipped him uh, when he was just a youngster. But it really seems like he's taken his game to another level. Want to ask Charlie about him. Want to see if both... Uh, my guesses, my guesses for uh, Charlie's three stars tonight are going to be both goaltenders and, hmm, I guess... 
Yeah, I guess Tomasino scores two goals. You probably go with him as well. So those are my those are my guesses for Charlie's three stars tonight. But we'll have to wait to see what he decides uh, when he joins the show. Let me let me ask you something real quick, Bill. Because so the Flyers have played some really good teams this year, very tough, and they won against some really good teams. The Predators we we haven't beaten this year. Good team, I wouldn't say great team. But there, you know, we talked about it on the on, on before we hopped on here. That's a physical big team. So why do you think? Nashville and Flyers played them tough both times. So why do you think Nashville gives Philly so much issues? That's a good question. Uh, I think I said the final was three, two. I'm pretty sure that empty netter at the end counted. So it was four, two, but basically two, one goal games right. against the Preds. One goes to overtime so and close. they lose on, you know, Airson not being able to squeeze that puck and they get that second effort goal in overtime. And tonight it's a one goal game. They tackle on the empty netter. So it's been close, but I do think it's one UC Soros is incredible. Seriously. I mean, I would not say they got goalied tonight. He made some big saves. He was very good, but he was beatable. Uh, they got him a couple that of times. Goal, yeah, like I, 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 he was he was beatable tonight. As but I, yeah, I mean the frost goal was. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I. I think it's just a team that's very similar to the Flyers in that they're gonna they're going to attack you. They're gonna be more physical than maybe a lot of teams are used to. Uh, they play good defense, obviously get the outstanding goaltending, and then they want to win a battle. And that's what you saw tonight. It was a battle uh, to get through the neutral zone for yeah. both teams. I know the shot totals ended up being pretty high, uh, but in the first two period through 40 minutes, it's what. 26 to 18 like that's mm -hmm. not exactly the most high event game uh, especially considering all the power plays and weird stuff that went on in this one so it's a good question this is the first time this season that the flyers have lost a second meeting against the team yeah uh they came in i believe nine and i wrote this down yeah they came in nine and oh in their second game against a team a team that they've played uh, a time prior Right. Maybe that's just a weird, uh, but I do think there's something to like the Flyers. I thought maybe when they started out well, it was all right, but when teams are going to figure them out. But I do think there's something to the Flyers kind of figuring out other teams and uh, being able to take advantage of, of matchups and take advantage of what they learned in the first game. That does get back to coaching a little. But, you know, 9-1-0 and uh, in 10 games against teams you've seen for a second time. That's a pretty damn good record, uh, especially as we if they can continue that as we move into the deeper part of the schedule and they start to see everyone uh, for a second and third time. So that's something else I will probably bring up with Charlie. Um, is it even worth mentioning the Pat? Like, they scored. Good for them. They also got a five-minute major. Like I said, they gave up a shorthanded goal. Uh, this power play is just freaking horrible. Uh, 0 for 17 coming into tonight's game. I did. There is something I think that they can maybe try to do a little bit more. Uh, there is one thing I noticed tonight that I've seen them do in a few games prior. Um, say the point man has the puck and he's in the center drifting towards the left side. Uh, you know, we'll get to this uh, after we talk to Charlie O'Connor. Let's bring him in now. It's Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Mr. Charlie O'Connor. How are you tonight, Chuck? Uh, doing okay. I mean, Flyers obviously did not continue their uh, their point streak, so that's a bit of a bummer. But on the whole, not doing too bad. Yeah, it's uh, the, the point streak was going to end eventually. That's what I tweeted uh, right before postgame went live, and it's true. I just really would have liked to see this team head out on the road with the streak intact. I really wanted to reward the people who showed up and maybe build some momentum. They'd won three in a row at home prior to tonight, but they're about 500 at home. They've been better on the road. I think if we want to build this momentum, build the optimism that I'm trying to put out there, it starts with winning at home in front of the crowd, give people a reason to go. And they weren't able to do it tonight, but would you say forget this one and move on? Or were there some concerning things uh, to you that maybe are trends you're starting to see with this team? I think on the whole, I would say forget this one and move on. However, it was very clear after the game that uh, John Tortorella is not in the mode of forget this one and move on. Uh, he had a very specific criticism about his team's game, and it's an interesting one that I think is, is certainly worth running through. He basically said that he thought the Flyers' forecheck was horrible tonight, that they 
they basically got into a game where Nashville stacked the neutral zone and made it very difficult for the Flyers to play the transition game that they've been playing for most of the year. And if the Flyers are going to win this game, they were going to need to win it via a strong, effective forecheck. And Tortorella was very frustrated that the Flyers just weren't either willing or able to win the game that way. And basically what Tortorella said, he said this on a few occasions, he's like, look, in January and February, when teams have tightened things up, when, when teams are playing their best structure because they're, they're past the start of the year where they're starting to figure things out, they've got a handle on their roles, they've got a handle on their system entirely, you're going to have to win more games via your forecheck. They're still going to want to play fast. They're still going to want to score goals in transition, but they are going to need to have a more effective forecheck. And Torrell basically said that hopefully this game serves as a wake-up call to everyone that we can't just keep running at the neutral zone trying to create chances in transition. That sometimes we're just going to have to get pucks deep and we're going to have to win puck battles. And he said, we did it last year. I know we can do it. But the implication was that, look, we've been playing fun hockey for the first two and a half months of the year. It's not that I want us to stop playing fun hockey. It's that when the other team doesn't let us play fun hockey, we need to be willing to win by playing not fun hockey. And I think he thought tonight the Flyers, rather than play successful not fun hockey, they kept trying to play fun hockey, and it just wasn't working. And this is something we kind of talked about on uh, on yesterday's show that I did when I was yesterday or whenever this week. You know, we've done like 50 shows. Uh, but uh, we, we talked a little about the sustainability. I think what they do defensively, what they do uh, off the puck and all that stuff is sustainable, and you can win that way in the postseason, and like you said, when t- things start to tighten up, uh, we've seen a lot of run-and-gun hockey throughout the league, not a ton of physicality to start this season, and when the deadline approaches, all-star break, we start to teams start to ramp it up for playoff mode, it's going to be a little tighter, and I saw this tweet today, goals off the rush this year, Travis Konechny leads the league with nine, Joel Farabee is second with eight, and then Owen Tippett is tied for third with like Hughes, Nylander, Marner, Kucherov with seven. Um, they score on the rush. I think especially the last few games, we've seen them not really be able to sustain that forecheck, play that uh, like half-court sort of offense. Is that a glaring concern for this team that if they're going to, like we talked about, raise what we think their ceiling can be and maybe go on a little playoff run, something they're going to have to work on if that's going to be possible? I think it, it definitely is something they're going to have to work on. I've been tracking the uh, the four-checking numbers uh, for the Flyers all season at 5-5 five five in addition to tracking the entry numbers, and I have noticed that they are retrieving fewer dump-ins than they did last year in terms of overall percentage. They have been less successful at retrieving pucks. Now, it's been completely outweighed by the fact that they've been carrying the puck in a lot more than they did last year, and carry-ins tend to be more dangerous on average than dump-ins do, and I think that's the way the Flyers have been successful. You spoke to the, uh, the the transition rush numbers where you have guys like Connecting and Farabee and Tippett scoring a lot of their goals on that. I, that's absolutely, you know, that makes perfect sense to me. I didn't know that, that, that data, but it makes perfect sense because what they're doing is, in a way, they're almost masking a little bit their lack of high-end talent because on the rush, everyone's dangerous. I, you know, maybe not a Nick Delorean is dangerous, but pretty much everybody is dangerous on the rush because you, you can get the goalie moving side to side with a two-on-one with a pass, or you're on a breakaway and the guy has all different kinds of options he can use to throw at the goalie. When you're in the half-court offense, it's a little bit tougher. You have to create things out of nothing a little bit more than you do on the rush. And look, I think the Flyers absolutely have the personnel to be better at retrieving pucks on the forecheck. I think they can play a style where they can get better at that because they did it last year. They did it last year with less talent than they have this year. So they can do it. I do, however, wonder, and this speaks to some of their power play issues, I do wonder if they can consistently score via the forecheck just because you're seeing it on the power play when they have to get set up in a half-court offense, even if they have one more guy than the other team, they're kind of a mess. And if they have to play more games where they have to do a heavy dump and chase game, 
that means that they either have to get a lot better at the half-court offense or they have to be really, really efficient at scoring when they do get transition rushes because they're still going to get them. They're just going to get a few of them, and they just need to be really efficient at taking advantage of it because I don't know if this group has the, the creativity to take full advantage of, of half-court or offensive zone-only play just because of their limitations from a roster standpoint. Well, you mentioned the power play, and I was talking about it uh, right before you joined us. So we might as well talk about it now. Uh, they were 0 for their last 17 coming into the game. They did finally break through and get one. Uh, Sean Couturier, I guess, has UC Soros's number. It's very crazy. He kind of scored very similar <laughs> goal to the, game, to the one he had in their last meeting. Uh, but, of course... Power play giveth, the power play take away. They also gave up a shorthanded goal, meaning, oh, we scored great, and we're still even on the power play. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know what's worth talking about it at this point. It's abysmal. I don't see a fix for it until, like, Cutter Gauthier gets here and then maybe another high-end defenseman or Cam York, whatever. I don't see any real fixes for this thing anytime soon. But I did see a little... I don't even know if it's a wrinkle, but something uh, that they used tonight that I saw them use a couple nights ago that I think maybe they can try to take advantage of when the point man is got the puck in the center, maybe drifting a little to the left. The guy on the far wall, I saw Konechny do it a few games ago, and I think Tippett did it tonight, comes off the wall and drifts into the neutral zone and then hits the line with speed again to get a pass and rips a shot that way, skating towards the net, almost trying to emulate this team's success on the yeah. rush. Let's hit it with some momentum and try to get something going that way. Do you think that's something maybe they can use a little more to have some modicum of success? It's an interesting idea because, honestly, when they were struggling, I mean, they've struggled on the power play all year, so I feel like I can't distinguish between different times when they've struggled. But there was a point in November um, when they went out to the West Coast where it did seem like they were trying to create more offense on the power play right after the entry. I think Owen Tippett had a few a few legitimate scoring chances right off the entry. It seemed like they were attacking. They pulled back on it for a while. Now maybe they're trying to bring it back. Look, it makes sense. They have been a more successful rush scoring, rush chance creating team at 5-on-5 five five than they have been in terms of, of digging for pucks and getting set up in the offensive zone and scoring on a 25-second long possession. So it does make sense that they maybe would be willing to or want to try to add some wrinkles to the power play where they can take advantage of that. You know, I look at somebody like Konechny. Konechny, to me, he's the Flyers' best offensive player. He should be the guy that is standing up and taking charge and being like, I'm going to make sure this power play isn't god-awful. He hasn't done that yet. He's He's been on every power play. It's not like he's ever been yanked off the power play. He hasn't been able to do it. Maybe he's just not that guy. Maybe he can't be the engine that drives a power play. But I'd like to try to give him as many different possible ways to try to drive the power play because he's your best player. Like, look, I, I know we we always talk about, like, Claude Giroux and how great he was in the power play. And he was. He was fantastic. But in fairness, like what he did on the power play was perfectly tailor-made to his strengths as a player. He had incredible vision or has incredible vision and was an incredible passer. So, hey, stick him on the half wall and just let him quarterback the whole thing. That makes perfect sense. Travis Konechny, it's not just as simple as saying, Travis Konechny, you're our best player now. Go do what Claude Giroux did. You have to try to scheme a power play based on Travis Konechny's strengths, which are not the same as Claude Giroux's strengths. So, if this is a way for them to maybe try to to foster what Konechny does best on the power play, I don't hate it. Now, whether it's going to work, who knows, but what they're doing now ain't working either, so you might as well try new things. Uh, something else that happened on a power play tonight. Now, they score one, they give up one. They also get a five-minute major because uh, – <laughs> Morgan Frost got laid out from behind. I want to talk a little about Frost in a minute, but they uh, negate the end of that major, not that they were doing anything with it anyway. Cam Atkinson takes a penalty. Maybe it was on purpose because he knows the power play just stinks and why even do this. But <laughs> uh, Cam Atkinson takes that penalty to kill the end of the major. Uh, he had another breakaway in the third. Saro stops him. That's like four or five straight breakaways he hasn't scored on. He had eight goals in his first 15 games. 
No goals, four assists in his last 17. This seems a little worse than a slump or goal-scoring streakiness. What are you seeing out of Cam Atkinson right now? I don't know. I still think it's a slump. I and mean, we've talked about him quite a lot over the last week. It's just that he's 34 years old. His slumps are going to last longer because he's not as good as he was two, three years ago when he was 31, 32 years old. Like, I think that's really what's going on here. It's, it was abundantly clear to me on that breakaway that he's in his own head, that when, when Cam Atkinson is scoring goals the way he, I believe he still can score them, he takes full advantage of the fact that he had Saros spread out and he just backhands it over the pad and he's done. Instead, he tries to like go back through the five hole, back through Saros. Like that strikes me as a guy who the entire time he was skating at UC Saros, he was thinking about, oh God, I need to score here. I need to score here. What am I going to do? Rather than just going down and trusting his instincts, which I think he needs to do because he's played long enough in this league and scored enough goals for me to believe that his instincts are good. That struck me as a play where he was not following his instincts, where he was very much in his own head. I think that's what's going on here. Now, that's not to say that I think when he starts scoring, he's going to be a 30-goal guy. I don't think he is anymore. I think he's probably a 20-25 to goal guy, and he's probably going to score those in bunches, and probably when he gets one goal, he's going to get four. And then people are going to be like, oh, Cam Atkins is fine again. He's not fine. He's not what he used to be. I don't think he's, like I saw a lot of people saying he's washed on Twitter. I don't think he's washed. I don't think he's a trash player. He's just a player who is past his prime, who is caught in a slump where he is completely snake bitten and now trapped in his own head. And I do trust that he will eventually get out of it. But tonight clearly was not that night. And who knows when he's going to get out of it. I would guess it's going to happen soon. But you know, as I said, he's 34 years old. He's not as good as he used to be. So a slump that when he was 28 might have lasted eight games now might last 16 games. That's just the way it is. Uh, I, Morgan Frost tonight, obviously, <laughs> he had an eventful night. Um, scores the ridiculous goal. Obviously, that's luck. He also gets, I can't believe he wasn't concussed on the play he was boarded on. Uh, they uphold the major that they initially called a uh, two-minute illegal check to the head. I will never understand how a check to the head is only two minutes, but it was very clear. It was just like he got hit straight from behind. They uphold the major eventually. Uh, And then he also had an assist at one point taken away from him on the Couturier goal. Uh, But I liked Morgan Frost's game for a couple of different reasons tonight. Again, obviously the goal was pure freaking luck. But I really, really liked the process. Um... I've been saying for years, go behind the net. Like, if it was good enough for Gretzky, it's good enough for you. Uh, That's where goals are scored. Go back there, and you'll make offense happen. Especially, he's going to be a distributor. If he's going to make it in this league, that's what he is. But he makes a play through the neutral zone, uh, then tries to get the puck over to Bobby Brink, who's breaking. uh, Doesn't get it to him, but the puck gets deep. He goes behind the net. Boom, puck off the skate, gets the lucky goal. He also battled really hard. Uh, Doesn't get the assist, but he got in there, got his nose in there to help create the uh, battle that led to the Couturier goal gets boarded battling. I liked what I saw out of Morgan Frost tonight. What did you think? Yeah, I think, you know, going into my three stars, I think he'll probably be one of the three. Huh. Um, I, th- I thought he, oh, he had a fine game. I mean, obviously the goal is fluky. It, it, look, maybe that's just karma for all the shit he's had to put up with, with John Tortorella this year. That was, that was the hockey gods doing him a solid after John Tortorella benched him for half the first 20 games of the year. Fair. You know what? He's earned it. But I thought he had a pretty strong game all around. I thought, for the most part, the Flyers weren't that good in this game. But I thought Morgan Frost was one of the players who who did stand out to me in a positive way, at least not in a negative way. He did some good things. He did more good things than the average player on the team, I would say. Uh, yeah, that's... I, the Flyers weren't very good tonight. Like the The shot count through 40 minutes was like 26... 18 or something in favor of the Flyers. I was just like, when? When did all this happen? It feels like the Predators have had the puck the whole time, and then they really, I thought, for the last 40 minutes of the game, kind of took over. And if the Flyers were going to extend their point streak to get it to overtime, it was going to be lucky. But this was the uh, 10th time this season the Flyers have played a team for a second time. They came in 9-0. and 
They've been really good in second meetings with teams. Now it's nine games, like anything, like could just be sample size. But they've struggled a little with the Predators. They've now lost to them twice in two weeks. Um, is it just a matchup thing with them? They're kind of similar teams. They're a little more physical than you'd expect. They play good defense, obviously get the awesome goaltending. What is it that they kind of just outplayed the Flyers tonight? Is it Predators specific or? I, I, it might be a a slightly more difficult matchup for the Flyers. The Predators do seem to place a lot of emphasis upon clogging things up in the neutral zone. And with the way the Flyers have grown accustomed to playing this year, that probably isn't does, doesn't play to what they've turned their strengths as a team into. Now, I do not think that they necessarily have to always stink against teams that bottle things up in the neutral zone because, as Tortorella said, they can play a four-check game. They can be a, be a little bit more optimistic. And even though I thought they were outplayed tonight, they still very easily could have won this game had they not had a few key breakdowns in the third period with the one leading to, uh, to the game winner. But I would say that this might not be the greatest matchup, but there are other teams they've played that also – at least in theory, shouldn't be a great matchup for the Flyers, and they've done much better against them. So to me, this is more a case of they came into this game with a nine-game point streak. They were playing really well. They were probably due for a clunker, and based on what Tortorella said and reading between the lines, it seems like Tortorella thinks that they maybe got a little full of themselves tonight, that maybe they were just feeling themselves a little bit, and they thought, you know, hey, instead of going in hard on the forecheck and winning the puck battle— because we're playing so well and I'm feeling so good about myself, I can beat that last guy in the neutral zone. I don't need to play dump and chase. You know, I know we, we're talking about on the bench that we have to, but when I have the puck and I just pass the red line and I only have a defenseman in front of me, I think I can get around him because I'm just so damn good. And John Tortorella wanted to remind them that, no, you ain't that damn good. Remember, you lost to the friggin' San Jose Sharks when they hadn't won a game. You need to play smart. And I don't think the Flyers played smart tonight and they paid for it. Yeah, and uh, it's – they were going to lose eventually. I get it. It's yeah. just ah, – it sucks it was tonight. I wish they could have just lost tomorrow. Send the Maybe part of it was like, hey, let's put on a show for the home crowd. Maybe we're going away forever. Maybe that factors in. Uh, but speaking, speaking of what's smart and what isn't, Charlie – uh, I got this Tortorella quote from Meltzer's Twitter earlier today. I'm sure everyone had it, but that's where I saw it. Uh, so I'm going to quote, speaking of Sean Couturier, uh, Torts said – He's not injured. He's banged up. Some players make a bigger deal out of being banged up and they sit out. He won't. He's an old pro. Now, while this year is fun and, you know, he's basically missed the previous two years, I'm sure the idea of missing any time is like, oh, no, absolutely not. I, I just had to sit at home for two years. That sucks. Not doing it. And it's a home game. You want to keep the streak going, all that. We've said time and time again, though, it's not just about Sean Couturier looking good this year. It's about him being a big part of this three, five years from now, if this is going to be a sustained run for this team, if this is the beginning of an ascension. Shouldn't they try to load manage him a little bit? You want my honest-to-God answer, Bill? Yes. No. Honestly, no. Because, like, should they should they be dumping 25 minutes a night on him? No, of course not. They shouldn't be doing that to any forward. They, I think they're actually doing a pretty decent job of spreading out his minutes. And Tortorella straight up said today at practice, he's like, look, I know that we shouldn't lean super hard on Sean Gattieri, But when you're in the game, when you're coaching to win, and Sean Gattieri is your best all-around forward, and you're trying to, to close out a, a one-goal game, or you're trying to come back from one goal down or whatever, you know what you're going to do? You're going to play your best players. And and I don't think, like, I am not going to yell at John Tortorella for th not thinking in his head with four minutes left, man, I really need Sean Couturier out there, but God, I got to think about four years in the future. Like, no, he's, he's the team's best all-around player. He's going to play a lot. Hopefully he can handle it. One would actually hope that given the fact that he missed a season and a half, maybe he has less tread on his tires because of that. But look, the way I look at it with Couturier is if, if he's going to be good, if he's going to still be really good four or five years down the road, it's not going to matter whether he got, whether he averaged 20 minutes a night this season or 19 minutes a night. He was just going to be good regardless. Fair enough. I get it. I just... <sighs> 
it's just a concern of mine going forward, but there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Like, this yeah. is the NHL. Guys don't sit. If you can play, you can play. Um, Samuel Airsons. I did it again. Airson. Samuel Airson. Uh, this was his fifth start in a row. Uh, he's, a, he's on his streak still. It continued tonight. 11 consecutive starts, allowing three or fewer goals. To extend the point streak tonight, he needed to allow two or fewer. Uh, but I thought, even though he ended the game with, I think, an even 900 save percentage, uh, he made some really, really big stops. He's been good for them lately. What'd you see out of uh, What'd you see out of old Sammy tonight? Well, uh, he also might pop up on those three stars. I thought he was really good. I thought that, especially in the third period, he was facing a lot of quality chances on the part of the, of the Predators. I thought the Predators, especially over the final 40 minutes of this game, were clearly the better team. I know the Flyers generated some some shots with all the power plays they had and whatnot, but I thought the Predators controlled play, but they were the better team. And I thought Arison was strong all around. I think, you know, look, I broke this down in my video after practice today. Arison's numbers basically since November have been stellar. We're talking about like, I don't know what they were after this game. We're talking about a, a sub two goals against average. We're talking about nearly 10 goals saved above expected. We're talking about a 925 save percentage since November. He's been really good. And I think tonight he was, again, pretty darn good. Has he had better games? Yeah, he's had better games. You know, that, that game winning goal, that's a tough shot to stop. It's not an impossible shot to stop. It, it would have been a great save. I'm not saying that I blame him on that play. Like that is a A plus chance, but it's not a open net chance. If he was on point, if he was playing his best hockey, he probably robbed Tomasino there. He didn't. And you know what? I'm not going to blame him for it, but he's had better games. That said, I still think he was good. He certainly wasn't the reason they lost this game. And in fact, I think he was one of their best players in this game. So Erickson just continues to, to show me that he's a legitimately good NHL goalie. And on that note, Charlie, without any further ado, let us get to Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Let's lead it off with star number three. Yeah, so star number three, I will go with Morgan Frost. I think Morgan Frost had a strong game, even if he didn't get that fluky goal. I'd like to think that I would still put him at, a, at star number three in this game. I am curious if he ends up getting that assist back on the Couturier goal, I wonder if that's one where the Flyers are going to petition the NHL to take another look at it because I thought he made a really good play on, on that goal. I know it, it hit a stick. It, was, it wasn't it was quite clean, but I could see them arguing that maybe that should be a, a primary assist for Morgan Frost um, because I do not think Sean Couturier scores that goal without Morgan Frost making the play he did. To me, I think he's a, a perfectly justified third side. Yeah, uh, I guessed wrong. I had you taken two Predators in this one, but you are following the instructions I have given you, and you picked Morgan Frost, which is someone I wanted to point out as having a strong game. So way to go. I'll give myself half a point for that, uh, for that one, even though I didn't actually guess Morgan Frost. So let us go now to star number two. Star number two, I will go with Sam Arison. Uh, just thought he was strong all around. Obviously, you know, didn't come up with that huge save late in the third period, but I think he kept the Flyers in it. I think the Flyers were, on the whole, outplayed in this game, and they could have easily been down one or two goals far earlier than they actually were had Sam Harrison not held down the fort. And maybe part of this is a little bit of a not, you know, career achievement award, but let's say week-and-a-half achievement award. I think he's done a really good job holding down the fort for Carter Hart to give Carter Hart the time he needs to recover from whatever this illness is that that's been keeping him out. Maybe if Arison was struggling much more than he actually has, maybe Hart would feel more pressure to come back quicker to, to maybe, you know, force himself to come back at less than hundred percent. Instead, Arison's playing great and it's allowed them to give Hart hopefully all the time he needs to completely get over what's bothering him, whatever this uh, this illness that he's dealing with is, and and then have a strong you know second half. I guess we're not quite to the, the second half, but we're we're getting to the unofficial second half. So the Hart can have a, a strong second half of the season, and I think Erickson deserves, deserves a lot of credit for holding down the fourth to the degree that he has over the last uh, five games. All right, and on that note, I want to come back to uh, Erickson and Hart in just a second, so I don't want to forget. But before that, star number one. Yeah, I think this is obvious. It's the guy who scored the game-winning goal, the guy who scored two goals in the game, Philip Tomasino. I mean, he was he, he was just great. And it wasn't just the goals. He's a pesky son of a bitch, and he was just all over the ice tonight. And 
it was one of those there are some games where guys score a lot of goals and you don't feel like they played that well. They just happened to make two really good plays that went in the net. I thought Tomasino was one of the most noticeable predators all game, even before he was scoring goals. So I think he's the, the well-deserved first star in this game and the biggest reason why the predators won. That's uh, I'm thinking to um, the dinner scene in mystery Alaska when uh, who the, is it? Sean Connery. He's, dumping all the mashed potatoes onto his plate. You think you had a good game today because you scored two goals? You glide into your own zone. But he actually did have a strong game outside of the two goals. But that's just what you made me think of. And, you know, whenever we get a chance to make a movie reference, Charlie, we absolutely have to. It's actually, in our, to. It's actually in our contracts. Um, before I let you go, Carter Hart starts tomorrow. It was still – he still wasn't the backup tonight. Uh, what's going on? I know you don't know the exact thing about with Carter, but it's him tomorrow, we assume? Well, it sure seems like that. that's the – I'm not going to say it's a definite. What I will say is that Hart practiced today at the morning skate. Sorry, I have a fly flying all around my face. It's really annoying. Um, <laughs> uh, he practiced today. I chatted with him for a different story I'm working on for next week. Uh, after practice, he was in good spirits. Um, so it seemed like he came away satisfied. And I believe he was indeed the uh, the, the backup goalie. He was the one sitting on the edge of the bench, which tells me that oh, he, was. Okay. he very well could be ready to go tomorrow because presumably they're not going to start Airson back to back. I would think that if it turns out Hart can't go, they actually might do an emergency recall for Cal Peterson again, maybe throw him back in net. But it does seem like the fact that he was the backup tonight. I don't know. It, it, it tells me that maybe they are hopeful that Carter Hart will indeed be back um, for tomorrow's game in Detroit. We'll see. We'll see. I, I Look, if they have any concerns about his physical readiness, I don't see any problem with, with sitting him. You know, he gets the five-day break for the holiday break, give him a little bit more time. But also, I don't want them to be bathing him either. If he's ready to go, if they've already given him more time than maybe they, they necessarily needed to because they already were, were approaching this with an abundance of caution, yeah, let him have a game. All right, Charlie, uh, just any from the media availability, from Torts' presser, whatever, any other interesting notes, anything you wanted to uh, shed light on before we wrap it up? No, not really. I, I think Torts' comments about the forecheck were definitely the most interesting and the fact that he highlighted that and the fact that it seems like he sees this game as one of those, kind of like the Rangers game, where it was like him seeing some bad habits potentially creeping back into the Flyers game. And he's hoping that this is just a one-off and not the start of a, of a slide. It's probably unfair to say that it could be the start of a slide. They just had points in nine straight games, but you never know. This, this, these are the Flyers we're talking about here. They are known to follow up great runs with awful runs. And I think Tortorella tonight coming out to talk to the media wanted to try to nip that in the bud. We'll see if it works out tomorrow. As is always the case, and this is what I said at the top of the show, Charlie, it's all about how they follow it up. Tomorrow they come out and whoop Detroit's ass. I won't even remember this game happened. I, you know, there's a good chance I don't anyway. I don't remember shit. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Charlie, thank you for joining us tonight. You get out of there. You have a fun Thursday, and we will, uh, you'll be in studio tomorrow, right? Because they're in Detroit. You're not, going to, you're not going to Detroit, are you? I will not be in Detroit, so I will be in studio for tomorrow's postgame show. All right. Looking forward to it, my friend. We will talk again then. That is Charlie O'Connor, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, coming to us live from the Wells Fargo Center. And uh, tonight, yeah, let's say, I mean, it wasn't actually a sponsored segment, but let's just say Charlie's appearance and his three stars were brought to you by our friends at Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with just one tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service, and if you know me at all, my God, that is my nightmare. I have let subscriptions, there's a certain newspaper or two in town, let's say, that... Um, you can sign up online, no problem. Put in your payment in, oh, no problem. If you want to cancel, you got to get on the phone. And I let this go for like two extra months because I was like, this is my nightmare. And whether the customer service is good or not, like by the time I, like, I just don't want to deal with it. 
Rocket Money, they're there for you. They will take care of that for you. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. It's really just that simple. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. You probably look at all the uh, streaming services, all that you have and you're like it's a couple of bucks here a couple of bucks there it adds up $720 a year an average is what rocket money is saving its users I think they can help you as well I've told you before but like we have my wife and I we have every streaming service we figured out a couple of months ago we both have Hulu we watch TV together we don't both need Hulu you have that problem, boom, take that right off your bill. Rocket Money takes care of it for you. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Not, not going to lie to you, Bill. That, at the end there, you did like a, you kind of look like at Italian mobs like, yo, end it right now. Just, <laughs> just do away with it, man, like Tommy DeVito, yeah? <laughs> How great is the story with him telling the... Uh, the giant social media team, like, leave me alone. He's, he's straight up wet and was like, cut it out with the Italian shit. I'm just trying to, like, play football. Dude. It's, it's very funny that, like, after a short amount of time, the shtick got old even for him. And, like, this is it. This is it for Tommy DeVito. This is another Jeremy Lin, right? Like, this is another Lin Sanity? No, that, 100%. <laughs> Let's say, but, like, they were Jeremy Lin was legitimately Knicks. excellent for, like, that period of time. Right. It's like, this dude just doesn't suck that bad. But, you know... When Daniel Jones is your starter, the bar is... Anyway, it's enough we about fucking... We could use fucking, that in the NHL. It's enough about football. Again, uh, check out this thing at FOCO, too. Uh, they're not a sponsor tonight, but I'm wearing the thing, and we're Love talking football. So, yeah, they got cool stuff there. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. I don't think there was anything else I really wanted to get to. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night after the Detroit game. That starts at 8, so post game will be a little later, but we will be with you. Charlie will be in studio. We'll have him for the whole show. I know. I, I, it's cause to celebrate actually getting our beat reporter on. F- I joke. Charlie does a shit ton. You can see his, uh, oh, yeah. his morning skate and his practice update videos every day on our YouTube page, right here on the YouTube page. And while you're on our YouTube page, do me a personal favor. I know a lot of, a lot of you out there have been longtime supporters of uh, whatever I'm doing, Broad Street Hockey or he, here at PHLY. Very much appreciate the longtime support. You need to keep doing it. Uh, uh, yesterday, I sat down with... The one and only Angelo Cataldi, formerly of the WIP Morning Show, 33 years on the air in this city. He's got a new book out. It's called Loud. It's his autobiography. I've read it. It's really good. Uh, But I have like, it's so close to 40. It's 39 minute and 59 second interview with Cataldi talking about all sorts of things. Uh, The thing you'll be most interested in is the Keith Jones stuff. So Just scroll and wait for us to be talking about Jonesy, quite honestly. I think we get the same number of views, whether you fast forward or not. Uh, So check that out. I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, But that's it for me. You got anything else, JP? I think you're ready to go, too. Nah, man. Listen, it it sucks losing, especially the point streak is done, man. But this is bound to happen. And I I think that this is probably the perfect time because, you know, we talked about it off the air, too, man. This trip that we're about to go on, the New Year's trip, the Dizzy on Ice trip, is always tough for this team. So how will they respond? And we'll find out. It's all about the response now. Come out tonight, then you got five days off. Play your best game. Play your ass off. Because you got nothing. You got five days. This is your five-day vacation, man. Holidays, home for the family. Go home on a good note. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. You know the drill right here on YouTube. Set those alerts so you never miss a live show. On Twitter, at PHLY underscore Flyers. Podcasts, PHLY Flyers. Make sure you're following us to get everything we do all the time. All right, my name is Bill Matz for JP and Charlie. Have a great night, Philly. 